and we are live do you prefer rooftop or mic uh, okay hi mike how's it going <laughs> oh what's up dude i'm better now that i'm here i made it we're good everything started and everything's going kind of unfortunate watching one of my buddies hurt both of his knees at the same time and him having to leave early and then just kind of you know can bring the session vibe down whenever somebody gets hurt so it was like trying to keep it up but then just kind of got to the point where I was like if I don't leave actually you know what no it ended on a great note because people from New Hampshire showed up guy did the curve wall ride was super stoked and it was great no it wasn't Josh High no Johnny. His name was Johnny, though, so it's kind of close. Uh, what about you? How's your day been? Nice. Like video editing? That's cool. That's real cool. <sighs> Oh, oops! One second here. I'm a, I'm a dingus. We'll just pretend like that whole conversation had audio from you, and say oh, hi. Have audio? <laughs> no, I forgot to turn it on. Okay, so. guys, this is what we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. We don't know what we're doing. Nope. Our we're days new. were good. We're new, yeah. and we're here. So, I'll be totally honest with you. I did not think that I would ever have you on my podcast, so thank you. Really? Yes. I would think that uh, I see other people, like Kurt Schmidt, and that's when I don't think. I'm like, how did you get that? <laughs> well, he actually had been communicating with me for quite a while, and then finally, because he does a podcast too, I think that might have made him more inclined, and I just asked him one day if he'd want to. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm so good to be here. Thanks. And another thing that was like a major thing I wanted to talk about that I saw you had been going had been going on here. Yeah, I can talk. I'm great at it. Uh, is the stem cell thing? Yeah, I really am interested to hear more about this because obviously you hear more and more people talking about it, but I don't know anyone personally who actually has done it, and you did it, right? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was a long time coming. I've been sort of looking into it for the last year and a half, two years. And uh, I researched a lot of places. There's kind of four places that were uh, possibility. It was a place in Panama, a place in Costa Rica, by Accelerator in Colombia, and then this place right up the border in Tijuana called Chipsa. These guys bought a, um, this guy Clay bought a uh, cancer, research, cancer research treatment center and, turned, and does that, but also does the stem cells. And I chose that one uh, for many reasons. Uh, one, I liked what they were doing. It has sort of a whole program. You get on there. It's not like I just went down, went down there, got stem cells, and come back. I'm there for a week, doing IV treatments and NAD plus and uh, hyperbaric chambers. And I, I liked the way what they're doing, but it also it was right over the border, which to me was like such a bonus being in Southern California. So I've known a few people that got it done, and I knew that it was pretty painful. But the days afterwards, and so. I just thought I didn't want to sit on a plane. Uh, 
seven hours or whatever it is, you know, from down South America somewhere. Yeah. Or Central America. So I did that and it worked out. I mean, he sat right there. He looked at the beach the whole time. It was great. Uh, it's, I tried to put videos up that were pretty like an honest representation of what I was going through. Uh, they make it very clear to you when you get, before you get it, that it, the pain is like a 20 out of 10. Oh, wow. So for the first 24 hours or so, it's pretty painful. I had everything from like here down. And so I got both big toes done, my right ankle, both knees, my hips, which is like right, right, right there on the front and each side. And I got my SI joints, which is kind of like top of your butt, like in the back kind of mm. uh, there. And then I got 12 injections in my lower and mid back. So many like injections. So it was pretty, so everything below here, my core operates or any movement was pretty gnarly. So any movement for the 24 hours was pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah. Like what describe the pain is like muscle pain. Is it deep um, in your bones? Well, what is it? You're filling all your joints with fluid. So like when you get an injury and it fills the fluid, that's why your knee hurts Okay. Right? or whatever. So, or why it hurts. So you're doing that. Plus the, the way the stem cells, I believe are interacting is causing pain. So it, it felt like, I felt like I did in a car accident, right? And then everything just hurt and was weak and could see. It just hurt. I, it's hard to explain. But if I would have woke up from a surgery in that much pain, I would have thought I was dying. Oh, wow. I would have thought like, oh, this there's there must be seriously serious bodily injury to me for me to be in this much pain. I mean, all I could do when I got up for the first time after I sort of come out of sedation and had worn off a bit and it was nighttime, I had to go get up to go pee. Uh, dude, I got up for the first time. I just looked at the other guy in the room. And I just started laughing because I was like, "This can't, this can't be, this cannot be a real amount of pain." Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those. It's a different kind of pain because you know it's for the better, better, you know. But uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty heavy. Um, people keep asking me how, how it, how how am I doing, right? Mm-hmm. That's like planting a seed six weeks ago and then or eight weeks ago and then asking how the fruit tastes. You know? Oh, okay. It's got time. It's got to grow. They they learn that can grow up to nine months or a year even continue to grow i go back at the end of march and get a full all do a total mris on everything i got done which is takes about four and a half four to four and a half hours in the mri tube so that's like a kind of a hard day too wow um, and then we'll see where i'm at in three months but uh i woke up about three weeks ago with no back pain for the first time in like a decade oh wow so if that's all i get then i honestly think it's a win huh I don't if my knees don't don't come back or like you know what I mean because it's it's kind of right now with my way my knees and hips are um, I can run my bike for about twenty minutes and then we're done. For Damn, a while. that sucks. So is that like is that what drove you to want to do it then? Um, yeah, I mean that, but it wasn't just bikes; it's like anything, you know. Like it was everything was just coming so painful and uncomfortable, and I was looking at probably double knee replacement and back surgery in the next five eight years. Uh, I mean, I've had six knee surgeries from bikes and then a seventh that I didn't get. Um, so it was, it was a lot of things, but just not wanting to live my life like that. You know, I, I, um, I still have a bunch more to do. I got the max that I could get done mm. uh, and more stuff to do, uh, which I'll probably do. Uh, the best case would be I go back when I go back and get it done, but I can't take any more time off and take time off afterwards. So I'll probably go back in a year, year and a half and get some other stuff done. Once I raise another, uh, you know, a lot of money to do it, it's pretty expensive. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were okay with talking about how much it would end up being for people. I don't know exactly because everyone's different. Right. 
just give you like, oh, this is, we talk about it and give you like a, a base number, but there is like a, it's different for all the places, but there's like a base sort of point of entry. And I don't know what that is. I, I'm going to make a guess here. Anywhere from 12 to 15,000 maybe is like the base of what it costs just to get in the door. And that takes care of, I believe like hospital stays and all the services and, and then a certain amount of stem cells. And then you sort of tax stem cells on, on top of that, which is about a thousand dollars maybe for, uh, for, for every, um, 10, 10 million stem cells. I think it is. Gotcha. I, I got 170 million stem cells. Holy crap. So would you guess that one of the like cheaper places that you're in and out would, or not well, cheaper, but it's would not, be... it isn't about cheaper. So like, um, it just depends. You want to get a place that's legit. Right. Exactly. Uh, there's plenty of places that are not legit. So you get to do research. Um, they would be totally cheaper, but you're also, there's a reason why you right? get what you pay for. Yeah. But you're also, you know, but they're also, you know, who knows what you're getting, you know, um, if you do it in America, it's just as expensive as in America, but, or, you know, it's up there, but you, you can't get in America. You're getting like, uh, the stem cells pulled out of your bone marrow or something like that. And you're getting your own, stem cells put back into you which I don't want mine put back into me they're not they're not working now right. and they're also like they, they don't really know how from what I understand they don't know how many they're actually giving you you know they have a sort of guessment where the way they do it they can tell me all right 10 million are going into your ankle 10 million are going into your toe uh and so it's you kind of have an idea you know right and and maybe I mean the, the barrier to entry being cost is definitely a thing but I've it's gotta it's, be. It's it, it's one of those things where it took me a long time to save to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, but what are the what's the alternative? So it's like it's one of those things where yeah it's expensive but so is getting double knee surgery and back surgery and taking a lot of time off. Um, so this is exciting. I'm definitely a believer of things are never especially backs are never the same after surgery. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how it goes. You know. Um, I got a long journey to go still, but I mean, I'm definitely feeling better. I mean, this is the best I've felt in five years. Wow. That's pretty, pretty, that's a bold claim, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and there are plenty of guys who have worse bodies than me, but mine's pretty, pretty beat up, especially after seeing all the MRI, getting my entire body MRI and seeing all the issues uh, that I've created for myself over the years and not taking care of them. Uh, I think for a lot of the younger riders, in like the next 10 years, this will be a lot more common mm -hmm. and you'll get this at like age, you'll be able to do it a lot sooner and um, because it'll be available and you'll have a much longer career and a much healthier and happier life afterwards. Totally makes sense. And do you know offhand if like the place you went or others have like a minimum threshold Like you can't just get your knee done? You have to get a well, large area? You know, you you can get whatever you want, whatever you look at done, but um, that's what I said. There's a minimum entry. Entry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not like you can go. Oh, I'll go, I'm putting five grand worth into my knee. Let's go pay five grand. There may be other places to do that, but for this place, there's a minimum entry. So, if you're gonna go get it done, you get get it all done. You know what I mean? But it, 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 like I said, it could be. You know, you might be able to go there and do thirteen grand. You might go there and do twenty grand. It just depends on what you're doing. You know, uh, there's a lot of other treatments too. There was a lot of guys. There was. Uh, maybe 20 people there when I went um, that week, 15, 20 people. And so there was people getting shoulders, knees, backs, a lot of people getting like um, their, got their hair done, 
it grows back hair, and they'll get like all sorts of, every body part you can think of for anti-aging or anything like that, they can do too. That's what part of it, like a lot of rich guys go down there and do like anti-aging, you know, like where they're just putting, a lot of guys, older guys are going and get just get like 100 million stem cells put in with IV that goes to your whole body and sort of 60% or so goes to, from what I've been told, goes to your organs and 40% goes to all inflammation in your body, which is like, you know, a little bit like stopping the clock or turning it back a little bit. Whoa. That's that... why when you see these Hollywood stars that look really young, I've got to guess they've been doing this for a while and they're doing that twice or three times a year, you know? I'm guessing among a million other things. I'm wondering what the effects of like the pain feels like if you do the IV to go through your whole body. Uh, there's no no pain, no pain in the IV. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, from what I understand, I haven't done it. So, huh. um, on this next one, I'll probably do some IV because uh, I have some. The way it works, I went and then I come back in three months and I still have some that I've already paid for, and they put it in the various spots that need it. But I can't uh, afford to take any more time off. Because you have to take time off afterwards, and uh, so I probably will do those IV just so I don't lose out on those stem cells. You know? Yeah, that totally makes sense, and it kind of takes away the questions of has it helped riding or anything. But have you ridden since you did it? No, 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 no I haven't ridden. I rode the mountain bike for like a mile. I'm out of shape, that's for sure. <laughs> but I mean, I've only ridden my bike a few times on the last two months, maybe four times, uh, because these issues started happening, and then I was like, okay, well, then I was. I mean, between like uh, May of last year and the previous May, um, I had 108 physical therapy appointments in one year, trying to figure out my hip. I was having these hip issues, stuff, and uh, knees and hips, and it's bad low in my lower back, and that. so I had a lot of a lot of tests done. Uh, so I was not riding during that time very much. I rode a couple times with Castillo, a couple times for like 20 minutes. And I dropped in, you know, just to see how it felt. And I was like, oh, nope, not there yet. So now I'm, I'm hoping to start riding here again April, May now. I'm going to go wait. I'm going to wait till I, uh, the other day I almost went and, like, rode. I was like, oh, I'll just go pedal around, but I'm trying to be good. The, long, uh, the stem cells are little baby stem cells and very fragile. So if you, if I, you know, maybe if I ride too hard and I make my knee really inflamed and overwork it, it kill those stem cells, destroy them, or... The stem cells will go to that new inflammation and heal that instead of the problem I want to heal. Mm. So I'm going to try to give it the best chance possible. I've been off this long. I mean, another few months isn't going to hurt it. Right, exactly. You're going to spend that kind of money. You don't want to just take it away by riding yeah. once. And it was weird. This is the longest I've not ridden my bike since uh, 1991. Wow. That's kind of tough. The most I've been off my bike since 1991. That's got to be tough. Yeah, it's weird, but it's weird. After a certain amount of time, you sort of forget about it. Like, because I think, and, and it's a different kind. It's not like before when I got injured, it was my job. It was like, oh, we'll get right back on it. I have things to go do. But now, it's not my job. And uh, you miss it, and then you don't miss it. But what you miss is, like, just being around, just sit on, being on the deck. That's what I miss, you know? Uh, we had a pretty good crew here going for a while. And they, everyone's it's kind of fallen apart in the last couple of years. Well, we were we had like every weekend we were riding and or more, and now everyone's kind of gone or busy or moved away. So, a little bummer. Yeah, it definitely feels like those types of things happen in eras where after a certain amount of time it just kind of fades, and then another one pops up and it's different. 
Yeah, but when you get my age, like, there's not that many more left. Mm-hmm. Me and Enns, Jason Enns, were like, we would go on trips like three or four times a year because uh, I ride with him probably the most. And when he was here in Southern California, now that he's moved and I've been hurt, it's like, wow, was that, what, did, we, did we miss it? Is that our last one, the last one? Oh. It's weird when you get in this old yard, is that the last one? Yeah. You know? Well, hopefully those stem cells help you so that it's not for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no doubt that I'll be riding. I just have to ride differently. You know, like, that was, like, my knees and my back contributed to the last, like, five, six, eight, seven years of just riding backyard pools. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there was a, I mean, it's fun. Like, looking for pools and we like it, but it was just, like, it's felt fun, you know? Um, I really got bored of skate parks. Uh, and also, there's only about six to ten things I can do in a pool. <laughs> so I could kind of challenge myself, but and scare myself sometimes, but also relatively keep it in a safe mode. You know what I mean? At no point am I going to be crank, cranking full out at a skate park to jump some sort of transfer, right. you know, or, or something, a gap on street or something. So those, it kind of controls the environment a little bit. You still get wrecked. That's gotten plenty wrecked. I mean, I broke my kneecap, tons of stuff, but in the pool, but. I can, you know, if I ice picked over the stairs or something, like that's still like challenging and feels fun and gets, yeah, it feels like I'm still riding bikes. Yeah. Well, that the whole stem cell thing is like super fascinating. So I'm glad we got to at least talk about that and get deep into that. Do you think at, at the current point you're in with that, just to kind of finish talking about that, currently where you are, is it something you would consider recommending to somebody? Oh, I'd recommend it to everybody. If you have an injury, if you have an injury that's getting worse, a chronic injury that's getting worse, I would consider it. I would consider it for people who, riders who are like anyone over thirty or twenty, late twenties, that's just been beating their body up. Even if it was just IV stem cells, I would. I would. If you could, the problem is it's so expensive. If you can afford it for some reason, you got rich parents or you got a bunch of X Games medals or whatever. You know what I mean? If I if I was someone that medaled in the X Games every year and all these contests, I would easily spend a portion of it on that every year. And then take off two months, if you could, you know, or every other year or something. I think it'll it'll change the longevity of your career, but also change the uh, comfort in your life. Yeah. There was about four years ago. I'm sure people who follow me noticed that I was in the ice bath. Like uh, it's gotten real popular lately, but like I was in the ice bath twice a day, and that was just so I could function. Because like I would get up and it would take about thirty minutes for me to be able to stand up straight with my lower back and all. the so I would get, I would just like sort of hobble downstairs, get in the ice, and that would get me good enough for like four or five hours, and I would get in again in the afternoon, and then I'd move on. And so uh, that uh, all, especially now, because all these there's people jump on all this big stuff and wearing these these terrible shoes, you know, that are just like <laughs> slip-ons and, and you know vulcanized soles. That I get it. Oh, I want to feel my pedals, but your your back and your ankles and your knees. They're gonna, they're going to, you're gonna pay for it later. Oh, absolutely. I, I learned, I never wore anything but etnies, you know, for two decades or something, mm-hmm. whatever, almost, or skate shoes. And then I finally bought my first pair of like Nike, like, you know, like running shoes or something. Now when I ride, my I only wear skate shoes or whatever shoes. While I'm riding, I, even if I'm just going to drive to another location, I take them off and put other shoes on, because it's just 
do yourself a favor. Do your knees and your ankles a favor. Yeah. I literally have gotten on the kick of the mountain bike shoe world because they're like bricks on my feet. And I just feel like I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff when I'm wearing those. And it just, I'm all about the longevity of things. And if if it's going to help me, I'm going to do it. I mean, it's just, we're just, you you can't tell anybody anything. You couldn't tell me anything when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing, man. Get good shoes and wear those when you're not riding. Doesn't matter what they look like. I don't care if they look like clown shoes. shoes These shoes right here look like full-on clown shoes. They're called uh, Opus. Opus. Those look like women's mom shoes. But I'm telling you now, I I was at this event called the GoPro Mountain Games last summer. And this is in the middle of, like, my back. And everything hurt so bad in my hips and knees. And I saw this little booth that said, like, it was like a, it's like a, you know, it was like an event, like an outdoor event, right? Mm-hmm. It's a small booth that said, like, this, these shoes will fix your problems. And I was like, let me see. <laughs> it's just about. And uh, I went in, I put them on, I walked 10 feet, I walked right back, and then I'll take two pairs. And wow. then I take them off for six months. And I bet you my knees and back got like 25% better in like four months. Three what months. are they? They're called Opus. O-O-F-O-S. Opus? Opus? And they, um, dude, they're just, they have, they have slip-ons, they have slip-ons, they have slippers too, like, you know, like, uh, the regular slippers, and two. it's crazy. It's crazy how comfortable they are. I mean, they look crazy, a lot of them. Actually, they don't look crazy to me anymore. Yeah. But, uh, but dude, it didn't matter. I was like, uh, I literally will wear them every second I'm chilling. Wow. Walking around. Like, yeah. It's, it, it feels like, it, it, I can't even tell you. You put them on, you're like, oh. You put them on, you're like, oh, these are, these are nuts. These are nuts. You can't ride in them or anything, but walking around, hanging out, yeah, you're um, Fascinating. I never would have guessed that the shoes would have that. It happens when you get old, dude. <laughs> parents were not lying to you. Oh, well, I mean, I'm trying to fight that as much as I can by being smart, but yeah. yeah. Well, how old are you? 29. 29, oh yeah, you're right there. Yeah, but I I consciously realized that wearing ankle braces, shin pads, and or shin guards and knee pads whenever I was riding, and gnarly shoes that protected my feet would help, and I feel like I'm feeling it. You're also yeah. white, which means you're genetically disposed to looking a hundred years old in about ten years. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me with that one. <laughs> Jesus, uh, I'm somebody asked, and I'm also curious. I mean, obviously you're not riding right now, but what is your current bike setup looking like? Um, it's it's a caveman, it's a United caveman. Yeah. Uh, I ride for obviously I ride for United bikes. We made those caveman bikes. Uh, we we only made a certain amount of them. We sold out of them, uh, and I'd like to put a new one together, but there are no more. Oh. There's one in Canada, that it's some shop, but it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. For me to accept to buy it for like five or six hundred bucks or something, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to go. I'd like to buy it. I'm putting. I want to paint it different color. I have a yellow caveman. I um, pretty much almost all United parts. It's a few demolition parts on there too. But I, you know, I come from a little bit different way of thinking, and this is not necessarily an intelligent way. But back when I rode for Hoffman in the uh, late '90s. Hoffman was the first person to really have a complete bike that you could ride out of the box mm. back then, and they were really good. Yeah. So that sort of, and I, and also before that, I just kind of rode whatever I could get my hands on before I was sponsored. 
And so I kind of just, whatever, I never really have like super particular setups. You know, as long as the bike's kind of this much and the bars are kind of this size, uh, I don't really, I, I, any, all that stuff I can get used to within a couple hours anyways. So whatever I have or whatever I can get, I'll just ride. I don't, I'm not, I'm not getting any better. I mean, I haven't gotten any better since 2005. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, the bike ain't gonna change anything. You know, if you gave me a, you know, if I, if you gave me a really good piano, I can't play it better than a shitty one. Yeah, you're not wrong, but the, so, in the world of things that, and that get abuse physically from riding them, you do have to think yeah, about that. As long as their quality is good. Yeah. You know I mean, but all bike parts are basically the same, anyways. They're all built in the same place for the most part. Any of the companies that you would be riding. Right. But you know, if my back ends a little longer my bottom brackets a little bit different height or all that shit to me is like it's like as long as it's not extreme then it's it's all relatively easy to just you just get used to it in a couple hours and that is what it is yeah fully i mean when people talk about making a five millimeter change on their cranks i'm like yeah you're not gonna feel that in five minutes after riding yeah or like, even when people say like oh what's how big is your back end i'm like i don't <laughs> that's... whatever acceptable is it's in an acceptable length you know I get it if the bike's 22 inches long and a raked out head tube I get get it but if it's all sort of in that area I, I mean the one thing I only only thing I really always never had was these big antler handlebars that everyone rides now like where people all of a sudden it became a, a sort of a trend where bars got real big and like mm-hmm. oh, stable and I'm like I wasn't unstable before yeah so, it just, I, I'm kind of, I'm definitely, I mean, look at my bike setup. It looks like it. My bike setup's the same as it was in 1998. <laughs> four pegs, two brakes, I got a bash guard on it. You know what I mean? Like, I uh, I think, you know, for me, it's like if it isn't broken, it isn't fixed. And I ever, I feel like I didn't really ever follow trends too much. Uh, but I think it's probably because I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't pay attention too much to what other people were doing. So this actually brings up a really awesome question that my buddy Sponge gave me today for this whole Spunk? conversation. His nickname is Sponge. Sponge, okay. Yeah. Uh, better than Spunk. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's awesome. But first I got to ask, like, what are some of the things that you've done in your career that were outside of the core of BMX? What, 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 give me an example. Like doing stuff with let me pull up his text so i can read because he worded it way better than i can his example was like tv shows and tony hawk tour stunt works things outside of bmx i mean i i mean i was doing like my first stunt job was in high school Mm -hmm. um it was a um it was a unicycle nintendo commercial whoa Uh, it was me and mike akabach did it spike jones directed it damn (laughs) Uh, that was my first job, my first stunt thing. And I always wanted to be a stunt guy uh, from when I was high school or junior high. Um, and then I think I did a bunch of episodes after that. Uh, I did a couple commercials. Mm-hmm. And I did a bunch of episodes of Pacific Blue, which was like a mountain bike cop on the beach. So I doubled one of the mountain bike cops. Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't know if you want me to just go to the list of stuff. You I mean, don't I, have to. Just some of the things. I mean, I did, I did a lot of movies. All those Tony Hawk tours. To me, those all those all are part of BMX, uh, action sports. It all contributes, you know. And and Tony always included bike riders in the tours, in the Huck Jam, in video games. So to me, those were part of bike riding. Just other people 
especially at that time, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you could only do BMX, or it was like a, a sin-worthy trespass, you know? Uh-huh. Um, nowadays, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who doesn't do a lot of stuff. But, so for me, I, I had a little bit of different uh, look on it. Plus, I grew up with most all pro skaters, or not pro skaters, but I grew up with skateboarders, kind of, that was my, so they, it just felt like, especially being in Southern California, I almost felt like more closer to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't do it, but yeah, we did all the Tony Hawk tours, the secret tours, uh, with Tony, I've also done like maybe like six or eight gumball rallies, which are like uh, it's like a car race around the world. Oh, okay. Um, I've done a, see a bunch of movies, but I've done I did we did Strangers in Danger, which was BMX, but not really BMX. Yeah, we definitely made it a part of that. I had another show on NBC called World Adventure that I did. I had a uh, had a show on the El Rey Network, which is Robert Rodriguez's network. Like Desperado and Spy Kids, that director okay. uh, hosted like a show that took care of like the Baja 1000 and the, the car race. Wow. Uh, let's see, a lot, a lot of stuff. Actually, so, so that kind of prefaces what I was going to ask and, and what he was bringing up here. In that, he said that he brought up how usually when people who are notable in BMX do things that are outside of the core of BMX, they catch shit for it. Like people, well, I, I, I caught a lot of shit for it. Did you actually? Well, hold on. I was always catching shit. This uh, is what I want to talk about Be- because I mean, it... all the stuff in forward, you know, in forward, like I, people like that part now, but back then, people hated it. Really? Not everybody, but a big portion. Like, I mean, like even at the Eddie's premiere, which I didn't go to, uh, people were yelling shit then. At the, at the you know, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't like it because it was just, I mean, it was just like not, you know, like I said, it wasn't BMX. Like, but a lot of it was from other like things that I had footage from mm-hmm. that, that were like these other projects. Like Me on Fire was a part of like some dream sequence of a short film we were making. And it kind of never happened. So I was like, I'll just use this footage. And that in the snow, like a lot of the stuff. So there was a lot of it that was for this other video project that never got used. And it went away. So... Uh, it wasn't like I planned it, you know, some of that. It just, And then I didn't realize it was going to be so detrimental to my – I mean, it literally people hate it. Like, and it was weird because, like, you know, like I did a bunch of rails in the snow on that mm-hmm. thing. But then, like, you know, people seriously hate it. I can't tell. That's so uh, crazy to hear. But then, you know, five years later, there's a guy doing a handrail in the snow on the cover of UK Ride. And it was just, like, the best thing that ever happened. People were like, I can't believe this. You know, and uh, – or – it's, you know, here's a great example. And I said this because uh, I put a I put a questionnaire, like one of those things to ask me, if you want to ask me questions on Instagram, you know, yeah. one day, and someone asked me if I'd ever go to Swamp Fest. And um, I said, well, I, I don't mean to. I, I, I lived it. <laughs> you know, because, like, it's a perfect example. Like, all that stuff in, that they do, this, that, that, that contest is all sort of versions of stuff that was in my forward part. You, know, you got fire and alligators and rail flips and rail grinds and loops and uh, building stuff that you know didn't belong, and now it's like a fun thing to go to, you know. But back then, it wasn't it wasn't it, you know. You could get you could get yelled at for having four piece bars back then. Dude, that blows my mind to hear, and it just goes to show that BMX has never and will never change because there's always that thing or these things that people are hating on at a given time. Then you but, fast forward the clock five years, and they don't hate it anymore, and everybody's doing it. Yeah, I mean, but that's life. 
you know? Right. That's life, but also, like, it's also the few dudes who are the loudest. Yeah. You know, I think most people don't care, you know? Um, right. The Back then, it was real strict, and it was, like, sort of Texas run, you know, because everyone lived in Texas, and if you weren't part of that crew, I mean, that was, like, the whole team, Etnie's team was part, and I wasn't really, and it wasn't that I wasn't down with it, because I had nothing to do with that, I just wasn't a part of it. Mm-hmm. I was busy doing my other thing. Like I said earlier, I don't really, I, I spent less time watching everyone else than I think other people did. I, I mean, I never even, I don't know, I said this on something lately. I ne- I didn't even, I, I've never seen all of Criminal Mischief. Me either, yeah. Yeah, I saw Vance Park years later. Yeah. But it, I didn't watch a lot of videos because I didn't, and this, this may sound, I don't know, arrogant maybe, but for the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just, I didn't care what other people were doing, but I also didn't, I was doing what I was doing. And that was all that mattered. Like I, I had a, 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 I was going in this direction and I didn't want, I didn't like these things that I thought other people thought were cool because I was focused on this direction. Dude. And so I didn't want, I didn't want input. And Jeanette, right now is a really, really great time for an example of that. I didn't want the input of what other, what the industry was saying was cool to, get me off course for the things I wanted to do. Because mm-hmm. there's things now that people do that are straight up stupid. You know, like, it's or just like, it's not, not stupid, but it's it, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years, you wouldn't have put that stuff in a video part because it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it gets to be trendy and then everyone's doing it. And it's like uh, creativity became doing as little as possible. Interesting. Instead of doing more, right? Finding something new and interesting. So, and that's not really a diss or being negative, but it's just, that's just, the trend that's happening now and I I didn't I didn't want to be skewed or my ideas didn't I didn't want to be skewed because I have a lot of, I had a lot of ideas that never got done ones that like versions of it got done and I just wasn't good enough at the time or the sport wasn't there yet or the wasn't there yet um, it's like that like that opposite or like that hard way 180 to backwards grind on rails and stuff hard 180 like kind of you know, like a hard 180 into a rail or into a ledge I'm, are you okay? So your your left yeah, side. You no know, regular one eighty on. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Like, you'd one eighty the other way, so you got to pass the back wheel. Yeah. For, it's like we late we we filmed some of those for forward mm-hmm. on ledges at the Vans Park, and I filmed one for I filmed I actually ride Chris Ride got one on tape of me at the Virginia contest, and it kind of hung front wheel going up. It was just over a pyramid, you know, the ledge on it, and I asked him not to use it because I'm like I'm working trying to get a good one. I never ended up giving one. I got a good one, and I, I abandoned it. But there was a lot of stuff like that that I had versions of, or like I didn't think were good enough. And now people have the skills to do them, you know. Like, and I just wasn't. I didn't have it. So, it, can I had I... The idea, but not the execution. I never could do some of them right, and so I just never let them out of the bag. Can I tell you how? kind of cool and crazy it is to hear you say that you didn't pay attention because you were on your own path because I still to this day have seen less than at this point it's probably less than 10 full length BMX videos in my whole entire life and I've seen bits and pieces of things because coming up riding I did not watch anything other than a couple videos online because I was so obsessed with making my own videos Oh, that's cool. What videos were those? What were the ones you really liked? 
So for me, and this is like a really cool story to tell right now, is the 2006 Dirty East contest video from The Flow. That's one that stands out in my mind because my neighbor who got me into riding showed me it and was just like, this is the craziest video I've ever seen in my life and nothing is crazier than this. And then uh, Scotty Kramer's felt bikes edits at that concrete park where he's doing the five tap to flares and all that crazy stuff. Seriously, incredible. But those those two videos are the two that really stand out. And then another one, there was some from a random group of people to a Hillary Duff song where they're riding trails and street and the guy Bubica's a, a post and it was just crazy to me. But but that the Dirty East thing, I bring that up because that video was like it for me. And then coming up later in time, meeting all those people who were in that and becoming friends with them, it was like the thing. But that those were the videos that I can remember watching. What do you, um, I, I think everyone sort of finds their, their, uh, finds their, the bike rider in them by the videos that, that they, you know, that they grew up with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a bummer now that we don't have those projects come out as much. And when they do come out, they come and go so quickly. Yeah. Uh, just because of this, you know, because of the internet. Absolutely. Uh, it's like the internet is a blessing and a curse for all sports. Best worst thing that's ever been invented. Because before, like a pro could work on a part for a year and then live off that part for a year, mm-hmm. like catch up for a year. Now, people put bangers out every day. Where Felix Prangenberg every month. They, they just mean less, but it means less and less, which is which is the bummer part because it, it didn't take any less to learn. Yep. But if I, if someone does a trick, like in theory, if a, if a guy if a guy sees a trick today on the internet, he can learn it by the end of the day. Yeah. Or a version of it. And that didn't used to be like that. So it's closed mm-hmm. the gap on that, but it's also made things less special, it feels like. Absolutely. I know it might feel different for someone growing up in this era because they don't know any different. Uh, but seeing both of them, you can totally see the the uh, lack of value they seem to, it seems to hold. Yep. Uh, also because they're looking for the next uh, dopamine boost, you know, and the next thing to get them excited we've been trained to watch 15 second videos or eight second videos yeah and also you can see it in the people who do it all the people who make the full video part that comes out once a year and also post on instagram and and do everything you can see in in them what you're talking about yeah and it's uh yeah it's i would hate to be pro right now it seems like a very well it it depends on what kind of pro you are that's Um, true that term is uh, a little sacred to me. You know, I mean, I, I think when I did the Unclick podcast, uh, Dennis asked me if I felt like I was pro, which was years ago, right? And I was like, oh, no, I definitely don't. And he's like, well, how could that be? You know, um, you know, I'm not riding at the level of like other guys, but I'm riding at a level enough, you know. But I, I really re- re- revere professional bike riders, people who are really good and mastered their craft, who work really hard at it. So. When I see uh, guys who are on the pro team or by uh, companies that I don't feel are like that level, you know, because they've got some sort of gimmicky riding or whatever, uh, and that's not to say that there can't be guys who have that uh, that are pro, but I just I feel like it brings the when you when you say someone's pro and he can just do this and everyone else is up here, it doesn't bring him here, it brings everyone down to here. And so, you know, when I when I see things and I see like uh, 
you know, Dakota Roach video or Dennis video be pushed off by some other thing that's, you know, it's fun and cool, but it's not nearly the level of it, you know, and it's being, it's, it's right here in the headlines next to him. It's kind of a bummer to see that hard work of these guys go down for someone else who's, you know, it's good, but he's, but the, the what he's contributing is not, it's not at the level of these other guys. Yeah, I think we it, see that in the views, in the view counts too, though. Like that 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 kind of works its way out where you see the the Dennis and the Dakota Roche, their views are way higher, and then that thing you're talking about never gets to that yeah, point. That's that's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair call. I I do want to shout out before we get too far away from what we were talking about. Uh, Kurt Schmidt said, "I never hated Mike. How could you hate a face like that?" <laughs> why why would Kurt Schmidt hate me? I don't know. He hated me. I literally love Kurt Schmidt. He said, "I never hated Mike, so that's good." <laughs> but then he also said, "People hated on backward tricks back then as well." Dude, I know they did. So Kurt, so Kurt, if you're listening, uh, Roger's Garage was my first video I ever bought, which was a standard video, mm. and Kurt's part was my favorite part, and it was so beyond. I mean, you can tell. You can tell Kurt. Look, later I wore those stupid. Stupid paperboy hats. I'm in that part, um, but that part was so far beyond comprehension of like how, like even like you see old rampage stuff of of, of Kurt doing backward stuff on the spine, and it's it's stuff that's hard now. Like there, yep. the it's, backward stuff doesn't not get done because it's not cool. It doesn't get done because it's too hard. Yep. You know, it's like him and Pat Casey. And a few other guys, the only guys that ever really figured it out. When I first got a free coaster, I had these like delusions of grandeur that I was going to be doing all this backward stuff on the street. <laughs> I was like in my head, I had these ideas when I first got it, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, that I was 20, 20 that I was going to be towing in behind cars backwards, <laughs> like half cap giant gaps on the street. Wow, like, that was my my head. I was like, oh, now I can just do it all backwards, but nope. Yeah, that that did that. That was a very short lived, very short lived. So, so, yeah. so Kurt was your, was the guy you you mentioned that you feel like people kind of. I mean, it was it, I was a little bit of a. Uh, it was at that time it was Matt Hoffman. I, I had two walls in my house, I mean in my room that I well, covered in BMX magazine photos. One was my Matt Hoffman wall, and the other one was everybody else's wall. Nice. But I think back then the two videos that influenced me the most were Roger's Garage. Yeah. And trash. So homeless trash. I know everyone says that Criminal Mischief is the greatest video of all time, and this is no dig to anyone in that video, but it's just an absurdity that that is even in the running. Uh, because you got a video like I, I think it's trash, right? I think it's trash because everything that was, or because everything that was in Dirty Deeds or Nowhere Fast or Criminal Mischief all was. The origin of it came from trash, you know, up rails, curb wall. I don't curb wall, up rails, all the all tricks up off rails, like all the street stuff, all came from trash. And it was those dudes in Texas: uh, Kevin Gutierrez, Ed Coning, Evan Evan Krakow, uh, James Shepard, uh, Dave Parrott, all those dudes. Man, it was like you. That by far is the best video ever made for street for street. Yeah. Uh, for ramp stuff, mini ramp stuff, it would have to be. One of those standard videos, 
or the early Beethoven years because Dave Frymouth and those dudes were doing stuff like, yep. you know, like without that stuff, there's no Dave Asato. You know, there's no, none of it's, it's baffling that how good those videos are. You could watch Trash now and it's better than some dudes' pro parts. I mean, I watched because, okay, you're going to hate me for saying this, <laughs> but after I did the podcast with Chad DeGroote, because yep. I, I didn't watch videos growing up, yep. maybe you won't hate me for this. I, I went back and I did, I've been doing react videos where I watch a video and oh, I that's cool. react to it as it's playing. And I've never seen it before. So I reacted to Chad's Baco 10 section. Oh, and Baco 10 was late too. You got to do early ones, man. Well, do dude. Baco 4, Baco 5. Watching his Baco 10 section and then it got to the hitching post part. Oh, and I was hip. just like. Was that the one on the hip? Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. And I I feel like I literally said in here, like, this video is still crazy today. Highlander. That's what I thought. See, yeah. Chad might be insulted by this, but because I didn't know anything, I was like, oh, Chad's a Flatland guy. Like, that's just. I mean, guy. I know all that stuff about him, and I still feel that way about Chad. Well, okay. So then. <laughs> but, dude, I watched that video, and I was just like blown away, even by today's standards of riding. No, so, I mean. I never want to be that. I don't want to be a guy say, that is saying, "Oh, it used to be better before," because mm -hmm. it's always going to be the best whenever you're having the most fun riding your bike, right? right? To whatever generation. But there is something to be said that that there is a bit of forgetting how gnarly bikes used to be yeah. uh, before 2002. You know, I mean, it was it was not gnarly after too, but before it was it was just different. People pedaled fast and stuff. I think that people were less dialed, so that probably felt a little gnarlier because you mm -hmm. just never knew what was going to happen. But there was some technically hard stuff done in the 90s, man, between street dudes and ramp dudes. I mean, even just – have you ever seen Head First? Uh, yes. I don't know about it in its entirety, but I did yeah, watch so a if lot. You just watch Head First, it's just all Matt Hoffman basically. Yeah. It's unbeatable. It's unbeatable. Yeah. Like there's no, even there's no, You couldn't put a Burt video together now that could beat it. You just can't do it from one guy. One right. guy couldn't do it. Even if it, even Jamie Bestwick, he couldn't do it. He couldn't, wouldn't beat it. So my perspective on what you're talking about is I totally agree on the whole, like, BMX people definitely used to pedal faster and do bigger stuff. And I think that part of that is that the specialization of things is pushing things so far that in yeah. order to top the big stuff people used to do just to get to that level is like oh man you really gotta send it and then to go even further with that is like dead man territory yeah really yeah. even further i mean I, i'm not saying it needs to be that or it should be that or that it, there isn't plenty of guys doing that now i mean really it's just dennis but uh, <laughs> it's literally just, it's just dennis. Dennis, but uh yeah. but like there's like street riding is a weird one like for me things are being split up into categories of, of stuff like street. There's categories of street. There's categories of ramp riders. Yep. Because there are plenty of ramp riders, even like a Nyquist or, uh, and then there's the guys who are like real, like the straight contest dudes who have a totally different style of riding. Yep. But there's a very specific, they're all, all the contest dudes really all look a certain way. Uh, and then street riding, you got dudes like Dennis or Dakota or somebody who's kind of, it's very much like a, one or two tricks and they're solid. Yep. Every clip. And then there's these guys who really flatland is turning to street riding. You know, it was doing all this like just flatland stuff, you know, and uh, 
that's cool if you're into it, but I've never, I'm not into Flatland to watch mm -hmm. it. Not that I can't respect what they're doing, but once I see two tricks, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't need to see any more because it's all the same to me. Yeah. Yes. And that, you know, that says more for my uh, intellect than it does <laughs> for anything else. That's okay. I want to, Kurt responded back to what you were saying. Uh, he said, I'm blushing over here. Love you, man. Mm -hmm. It's more like it, Kurt. <laughs> I like it. <clears throat> yeah, but totally in agreement with everything that you're talking about and and it's just kind of an interesting subject to to go on and and i feel like the whole pro conversation is definitely a a real one to be had and when you talk about your influences i, I kind of just i, I want to talk say mine too because i feel like a lot of people are influenced by the videos that they grew up with. And I've realized recently in my life, how special of a situation that I had in that the generation that was above me, there was every type of rider in that. And it, I think that's part of what made me not watch videos in that I was inspired by all of those guys. And before I found my groove of BMX, I was just set on becoming all of them put together. I, I, for me, it was a little bit different. I, you, your, your generation or the last couple of years, you've got an advantage to where you get to see everyone. Mm -hmm. You can see everyone and what they're doing. When we were younger, it was, I rode with all skaters until I met Brian Castillo. Yeah. And then it was just me and Brian. And we were riding to Sheep Hills or riding to POW House and, he had head first, and so I was like, I'd never seen anything like it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I think, like, it would be different then. So, like, when I saw Trash, Goot did a trick off a handrail, so I just assumed everyone was doing that. Mm -hmm. Not, I was, I was influenced by seeing the trick, but not in, not so macro and specific. Right? Yeah. So, like, I saw, like, oh, these guys are doing this, so I'm going to do this. I say, oh, he did a trick. He must be doing it. You know, everyone must be doing it. So I went, I just tried to do every trick I knew off a handrail. And then we filmed Dirty Deeds. Dave Perrick uh, was um, was just like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, isn't this what everybody's doing? Yeah. And like that, 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 um, that part had a bunch of uh, new tricks in it. But when I was doing them, I didn't know that. Yeah. And at the same time, like I said, I was not influenced by people so... I remember, like, there's one clip where I grind a handrail, like a double kinker, I grind, and then pick up to ice pick grind. Mm -hmm. And that was the first one of those. But I hadn't, I remember I thought about it on the way there. I was like, oh, I wonder if you could just pick up an ice pick that part. And that wasn't influenced by anybody else because no one yeah. had done it, right? And I think at some point in that time, I, my brain was on a rampage of just all these things I thought were possible. Yeah. And I was being influenced by skateboarding a little bit because that was who I was. Uh, uh, riding with a lot and then in the late 90s I started snowboarding and that started influencing my riding because I was like oh I can land backwards doing a 540 over a 40 foot jump why can't I do that you know well, I should be able to just that's when I started 540 spines and things not that other people weren't doing that but it just didn't click for me uh -huh. and like I would if you see and I got called out a lot especially from East Coast dudes that I would turn around on the bank like if there was a big bank and I'd do something up and I'd come back fakie like East Coast dudes would roll back, you know, three blocks and turn around. And me, I was like, I want to get in and out of it as fast as possible. Oh yeah. 
like even there's a clip in one of the demolition videos where I go up a long ditch and I peg stall something and I fakey on a steep part. I fakey and whip it right around. And uh, I remember people either liked that or really didn't like it. Hmm. But it was uh, at a time I was I was almost uninfluenced by DMX. Yeah, I was, I was solely just doing what I was doing, and maybe some other people were doing it, but I wasn't paying attention because I just I couldn't couldn't see anything else. And part of that was ego. Part of that was just I just had a different vision on what I thought bikes was dude that's so sick and and what i was saying was so special about my situation is that all those people that i was talking about were all at my local skate park so i wasn't like watching videos of these people i was just riding with them every single day and it was just i didn't need the outside world of bmx because i was going to the park and there was three different people who would back rail foof the back rail in one session yeah that's that's the best kind of people like i mean at the time, I didn't know it because me and Brian were in high school, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like eighth grade, ninth, tenth, eighth, uh, in high school. That I didn't know that um, that um, I was watching one of the greatest bike riders to ever. Yeah, do it, you know, um, and we were doing things together, and we were all pushing each other, and uh, we were learning stuff together, and we just but it wasn't we were trying to learn stuff. We were just riding, mm-hmm. you know, like everything was so new and. You didn't see stuff, and back then, like nowadays, you're, it's pretty hard pressed to find something that hasn't been done yeah. or a version of it. People are definitely still doing it, but they're more combining a bunch of things, you know. Right. So we were doing things that, and I'm sure there were other pockets of people all over the country doing this as well. Uh, that it's uncharted territory without ever noticing or realizing we were in uncharted territory. Yep. That's what. Uh... It was really interesting when I talked to Clint Miller because he talked about how what he was seeing was, you know, six months old. And then before yeah. that, it was whatever. And so when he first met up with Frymouth and Osato, they were like blown away that he was doing tricks and he had them dialed. And he's just like, well, I mean, that's just what I thought people did. I didn't know, and so I—that's what I did. And then I met them, and it was crazy. You got it. You had to—you had to eat that up every clip. You ate up because you're like, or if you saw a magazine, you're like, oh, I every piece of it. The weird thing about magazines that I thought like was a—and there's no, this isn't like anyone's fault—but when I was younger, magazines were more like a, um, like an episode of TV. It was like same characters. You know, there was only a certain amount of guys, and you cared about them, and you, uh, you knew what they were doing. You could see sort of their lives. And then at some point, there were so many people in the magazine that you're like, I don't know who any of these people are, and I don't care about any of them. Not that you don't care about them, but I had no emotional attachment to them. Right. And so back then, man, you things meant something. But when you saw something and you could get a hold of something, you cherished it. You know? Yeah. It, nowadays, you know, you're like sick of seeing it. You're like, if I see one more nose manual i'm gonna kill myself so how do we get back there you don't do we we don't yeah no, no, no. I, I don't I, but i don't think it's like a we need to get back there i just think the world's changed yeah in a different way we just we're such a we just consume so much now that you have to you have to just i think realize how special some of this stuff is yep and reward those people doing it so they'll keep doing it i or so they'll keep they can keep doing it Wholeheartedly. A lot of guys want to keep doing it, but they can't because they got to get jobs and they got to, you know, it's uh, you got to support support bike companies 
bike, the bike industry has to figure out a way to um, get a bigger piece of bike riding, bicycles in general, whether it be low-end bikes or the bike, the industry's huge, but just BMX is a small part of it. We need to capitalize and take more money from other parts of it to, to feed this one. That's why I get so bummed out sometimes when people act the way that they do about anyone getting any kind of sponsorship from an outside entity of BMX. And it's like, dude, people realize that that's not going to last forever. So you got to take advantage of the opportunities that come up. I mean, it's, you're right. It's not going to last forever. It's, uh, I mean, I, I'm guilty of that. There's times I see people get sponsors. I'm like, what is this stupid stuff? Mm-hmm. But you know, like you kind of grow out of that, but everyone is not going to get every deal that you want. Everyone, you know, I, I someone could for always could want really hard to ride for Fiend, but that's just never going to happen. Yep. So you know they got to ride for someone else or some other buddy gives them an opportunity or some weird potato chip somebody says, oh, we're going to give you two grand a month to ride these potato chips, and everyone thinks it's stupid. But you know what? You know what's a lot. You know what's worse than stupid is working some terrible job you hate because you can't pay your bills because yep. you're worried about what some 14 year old kid or even 25 year old kid worried about thinks my sponsors are stupid to me that's the definition of selling out yeah so you know i mean and I, like i said we're all guilty of it oh yeah at some point in our life but at the end of the day we all like or love bike rider and loved it at some point so much that we made it our lives and you know if you can get somebody that will support that then i don't see a problem in it yeah and everybody has their line of what they're willing to do or who they're not willing not everybody <laughs> okay maybe not everyone <laughs> because there's yeah i mean i get emails all the time from these e-bike companies and i'm like you're a china e-bike brand who just slapped a bunch of parts together and like i should probably take advantage of this but i need to figure out how before i do it because getting an e-bike would be sweet but i'm not yeah. going to do okay. it unless it's i do it right in a way that i feel okay with yeah, as you get older and those opportunities don't come anymore, they're going to start feeling more right. I mean, <laughs> I, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, that, that, there was a time I was pretty strict back in the day, and some people might not think that, but I never really rode for any crazy companies. Mm-hmm. I didn't think so, you know? Uh, there was a couple times I almost like almost rode for K2, and things, but even that's not crazy. Um, but I talked to people now, who were big guys who were big sponsored guys and they tell me how much money they made then and they own two houses and they you know what I mean like they had these and I was like I, I can't believe how much money they made you know what mm-hmm. I mean I was making $350,000 a year I'm like what wow you know what I mean all because I didn't just say yes to a few things you know you're right that, w- that, that now wouldn't have mattered that's exactly it that's yeah. the that's the mindset too that go into a lot of things with of the the five mindset of like is this going to matter in five hours yeah if it's five five days five weeks five months five years and people forget like people don't care like do you, i mean huffy isn't cool right yeah huffy's not cool ruben wrote for a huffy Dave Ryman wrote for huffy they all wrote but you know what i mean but no one cares how hilarious is it that you brought up huffy <laughs> somebody you know I mean? asked me you to bring up like huffy Frank, you know what i mean like that people think is terrible it's like yeah they're terrible they tried to do something they did for a little bit and you know what 10 dudes on the team or whatever it was got to travel around and go to contests and make bmx better 
it, so I don't see what the problem is. I just, it's funny because somebody actually asked me to bring up Huffy to you, and then what? you did it on your own. Question. Oh, let me pull up their text, because I was like, I wasn't really going to do it, but then you brought it up. Uh, the, the quote was something about, um, the literal quote was something about Thompson leaving BMX companies to sign with Huffy, and the headline was that it was an issue that you grappled with more recently. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know when this was from. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who's Thompson. Stu Thompson. Oh, Stu Thompson. I mean, this is, that's that's like 10 or 15 years before I started riding bikes. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But the fact that you brought know, it up was cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what that means. Either way. It was a funny example that was relevant to a conversation I had earlier today. But I'm I'm right there with you. Kurt said those haters don't pay the bills, and that's that's it. at the end of the day, that's it. Yeah, I mean, at some point, that that's a reality of life. I mean, there's definitely things that you could not do and do. I think if you're okay with it, then you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, like it is what it is. I. Look, uh, looking back now, I can't believe anyone ever paid me a dollar to do anything. <laughs> the idea that, me, uh, any, that a check showed up for free every day, every month in my house, for me to put a sticker on my helmet, shoes on my feet, seems absolutely ludicrous. So if you got a, you got a short window, do what you got to do. You know, I remember I, I was uh, Garrett Reynolds for like two or three years, two years, I wrote for Redline and we started the Redline. I'm going to revamp it, and we sponsored Gary Reynolds. And um, I remember he called me and was like, "Hey, I don't know how to talk to you about this. I, I'm not, you know, I don't want you to be mad or bummed on me, but premium asked me to ride for him, and I want to ride for him." And I was like, "Dude, if it's your dream to do it, then do it. Like, you have no allegiance to anyone except yourself. You know, like go, go do it. And that's just it. You gotta." You have to take care of you. Now, at the same time, there's dudes who are like, they have a pro friend coming out with a with a with a dude, and then they bail after they've ever ordered it. That's a different story. Yeah. You know, you're if you you know if you haven't made, you know, like you got to do what your heart tells you to do. It's going to be short, you know, um, while trying to be, you know, as soon as possible. Yeah. And so, what was other some of the other stuff that people hated you, hated on I, you for? I just, I mean, the forward stuff really uh, was it a lot, and then I didn't fit in, and then I kind of started becoming some of that, you know, there was a backlash on my part, you know, so that didn't help, uh, but I just, I didn't care, you know, like, I was, I was sponsored by a lot of brands that weren't initially BMX companies, like Adidas, like Hurley, like Nixon, Arnett, and though all those brands had other teams that were surfering and snowboarding so I I would get just go on some of those trips I became friends with them and so I was going to surf trips in Fiji with the surf team and um, Alaska and going heliboarding and things like that and that was opening my eyes to the world that people didn't like that yeah you know they just didn't like it that they thought that if I was pro I should be home every day riding my bike but in all honesty all those things made me a better bike rider interesting 
because I was I just I started looking at things very differently. You know? There's so many tricks that are getting done now that like I'm like, oh, we thought of that. Yeah. Not that like we thought of it and we could do it, but remember we thought like, oh my god, can you imagine this? But we weren't good enough. Bikes weren't right. You know, brand you bikes weren't there yet. You know, or whatever the, and so, but I thought about them. 15 or 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. This would be, this is doable. We know this is doable. Uh, and part of that is because I saw versions of it from other sports, you know? That's such an interesting take on it. Because I saw virgin, like, you know, on snowboard rail stuff and like, you know, skate stuff and snow stuff and surf, even surf stuff. Like, I'd see the way they ride a, uh, uh, ride a wave. I, in the late 90s, I kind of started riding a little bit and it was just how I wanted to ride a course or a mm-hmm. bowl. You know what I mean? It was kind of this like back up, you know, and like, Oh, and then off the lip and then this one, and he was cheating it more like a, like a wave. Like and even if it didn't look like it, it was like this feeling of the way my body pumped into stuff and looked up again. And like, and the way I would ride contests back then, like hit after hit after hit after hit. And so a lot of like, I remember like Kansas city, because the of Kansas city it was like something on the vert wall, something over the jump box something over the hip it was every one was a trick on every wall and that didn't ex- not a lot of people did that back then you know there was a few of us who did but it wasn't like the way everyone rode yeah you know, one got- trip and a couple dead sailors to get ready for the <laughs> one you know what i mean and that, you know. gotta bring up dave crone's name when you talk about surfing and riding because that guy i mean i've ridden with him and talked to him about it he surfs and he rides and he intentionally puts it into his riding and it's like you can see it and what you're talking about i'm like that's that's dave yeah you see it you know and those things uh you know uh like i said if people didn't want didn't want to do that's and it's i feel like it's oftentimes the people who innovate things or change things or make an impact have that at first i mean yeah i i I will always be a defender and a fan of people who do things first and not do things best. Mm-hmm. Right? There's plenty of guys that, like, you can, I mean, I'm not going to name anybody, but there's plenty of guys who people revere as, like, some of the best bike riders ever, but they've never invented anything. They just did what everyone else was doing way better. Yeah. And so, but then you got guys who are really good, but maybe don't, aren't revered as, like, such legends, and you're like, yeah, but that, that dude invented it. He's the reason why all that other stuff happened. You yeah. know? Like, it's, uh, or he's the, he's the building blocks of why that stuff exists now. And it took his brain to try this version of it to unlock the level for everyone else. I'm also convinced in this whole topic that certain people are just always going to be meant to be the ones who see it and imitate it and then there's always going to be those guys who are the ones who are thinking away from that and there's not a lot of guys who are both yeah you know like jay miron's a guy who is both yeah matt hoffman's a guy who is both uh david sato the guy who's both i'd say garrett uh, a little bit garrett garrett reynolds yeah i'm just thinking my generation yeah garrett reynolds both um Dave Primate, both. Uh, there's, you know, but there's, there's just not a lot of guys that could do both. You know what I mean? They do it and they do it for real. That's my thing with the street riding now that is confusing to me, is that when you filmed the video part back in the day, you worked on stuff, and then you found the coolest spot or the hardest thing that, that you could do it on. And now you we they film tricks on things that are 
what you learned it on. Yeah. You know, now, like, you know, if someone does a tail whip to evil grind to what other, whatever, whatever, and the ledge is like just barely high enough over the peg, yeah, I know it's hard, but I, I don't understand why you didn't learn it and then go, oh, I'm going to, for the video part, I'm going to go give her and get it down something that's like legit and real, mm. which someone can't go do it today. It's yeah. Like, when I, when I was filming, one of my things when I was filming forward was that I wanted to make a video part that people couldn't imitate when they saw it. You know, some of that stuff took a decade or more for people to do, you know? Yeah, so you were um, very intentional about yeah, it. And all my video parts are very intentional. Uh, but that one, I was like, the one, that one, when it was coming to, to, to you know, to, to fruition, it was like, I want to do something people can't imitate uh, tomorrow and that it will be big. Because it was right then, the internet was, was starting to pop off, you know what I mean? I was like, I want to make something that is going to out be bigger than bike riding to people or fun for people who weren't bike riders could be like, whoa, you know, this yeah. is, and I mean, as much as that video part caused me so much, uh, time in BMX for me, that wasn't fun. It also opened up so many doors for me mm-hmm. with other tours, with uh, TV shows, with tons of stuff. Yeah. I mean, Brian Castillo showed up here and he said there were haters because he took time off from riding to do other ventures and then came back like he never left. We were all jealous. That's right, Brian. <laughs> the homie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I never heard it put that way, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, because like I said, I felt like when I was doing those other things, I wasn't taking off bike riding. Yeah. I was like, it, for me, it was like the same as like if an MMA fighter is a uh, a jujitsu guy, and he goes to Thailand for four months to do kickboxing. To me, I was just doing another thing that was helping this other thing. Cross training. You know, it was cross training, you know. But I wasn't looking at it like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, that's how it was relating to me. So I think that, um, yeah. But did that was that people didn't like that. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that because that just shows the the purity of it in your mind. I mean, we just—it was just—it was a different. It was different then too because when you're different, you're young and you're just—you're just doing it. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I, it's like I, I said something. In the, I said something in the um, in that uh, the last unclick with Ryan Nyquist about mountain bikes, saying that like in the '90s. Oh yeah, they were doors. No one, no one can argue that mountain biking isn't fun. No one can say going down hills fast, but in the '90s, mountain bikers were dorks. You know what I mean? And they got a little bit, you know, worried that, that that was a big deal. Like I was saying something negative. I'm like, no, that, that's the truth. You know, it, now it's not like that. And it, it had to go through its trials to get there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it, it's just some things take a while to, to catch on, you know? Yeah, totally understandable. So I want to talk a little bit more about how intentional you were with video parts. All right. Just, just like, what was the mindset I mean, of it? I mean, you kind of talked about it already in that you learn something, then you think of the best place to do it. But what I mean, else? When I was filming Dirty Deeds, which would have been my first video part, have you ever seen that video? No. Cool, bro. Um, <laughs> You're not that great, man. It's sorry. So you should go. That's that's what you should do the next react to. Do my Dirty Deeds. My I dirty was, deeds what was I going to do? I was going to do your forward part, but I could do Dirty, dirty Deeds. Okay. Do dirty. It was filmed, you know, five or six years before the first. I'll do both. I, the first clip I filmed was in '93, summer of '93. It was a handrail of the Barsman. That was the first clip we filmed, summer of '93. Um, do that. I, one. I was born the summer of '93. <laughs> cool. Uh, 
cool, bro. Uh, <laughs> and you're old. Uh. Yeah. Um, you say old, but wait, you're going to be my age in no time. And I'm going to let my knee pads be like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah like I said, you're white, so you're going to look fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the, uh, Keep talking. Dirty Deeds was, filming. When I, when I was doing that part with Dave Parrick, it was a very intentional part. Yeah. We were, I was filming stuff, but I'd also come from a, uh, all my skate friends who, uh, I, when I went to high school, I grew up with these other three riders, these skaters, uh, Jamie Ray, Jonas Ray, and Paul Luna. Um, they were all pro skaters in high school. And so I would film, I would help, I would, I was around them how they were filming parts. And so I was thinking about that. Like I just, I didn't know any other different way to do it. Yeah. Right, like there was no other like, oh, I'm going to do this different than bike rides because I'd never, I mean, seen that many bike videos, but I just was like, this is the way you do it. Yeah. And so I was very intentional. And then Dave Parrott made a decision uh, for Dirty Deeds that was probably the best decision ever for my for my career. Is I have enough footage to have an entire part the same length of rant footage for Dirty Deeds. And he put maybe like five rant clips, mm. left it all out, made it just street, and it was such a smart decision. Uh, and it was all the street stuff was like we already have this I don't need another one I had something that's close to this not another one. unless the spot was just you know a lot of the spots were because there, there are a lot of spots you, you might recognize now but back then no one had ever seen them before that's where they came from right mm-hmm. uh, but they're very, very deliberate with they're with Forward, I was doing this. I was on this thing where I just wanted it to be as gnarly as possible. Yeah. And then with uh, with living in exile, which is one of my favorite parts actually too. Uh, we uh, we did one of those. Actually, we did it for uh, yeah, for RBMX. I did one of those. Was it least most or whatever they're called? Oh but, yeah. So that'll come out. You'll be able to see which ones I picked, which was really hard actually. By the way. And then afterwards, I was like, Oh, did I pick the right one? Did so, you? right one Did I you? don't know I don't know oh no I'm going to see I don't know I don't know I think there, there's a there's a video that I that I it's a later in my in my career video that I it's probably it's not as good as the other ones probably not but I think it meant a lot to me so do you feel thinking about it now that you picked right I don't know okay don't know. it's close I mean uh, you'll see what I pick but um, but like on Living in Exile that was in a strange part of my life where I was, uh, I just got divorced and I was staying up. I was, I was dry. I was spending my time driving around all night long, looking for spots all night for myself. And then we'd go film them later, later, you know, another time. But it was, that part was, and that part I really liked, but I didn't get any bangers. Mm. I had three, three bangers and I didn't get any of them. So for me, like that part was hard to swallow because it, I really loved that part, but it didn't have, it has a banger in the end, but that wasn't my banger. To me, that was a mid midsection clip that we had to make the banger. You know, I gotcha. But all of them, yeah, you know, all of them are very, very deliberate. Even like the United ones. This is United one that I got when I got on United, which is the one that has like the S rail right mm-hmm. in the um, That video is like every is like all right. I mean, there's a lot of clips to get filmed, and just because they're good doesn't mean they should be seen. You know, it's the same. I say this. I feel the same way. It's just because you can do a trick. Like I do feel like that is a trend in videos now. It's like if I can do a trick here, it's a spot. It ain't. And just because you can do something there doesn't mean we need to see it. I almost feel like riders are hurting themselves by doing that because you're watering down. Like I don't. Like I feel like 
there's a, there's there's one rider that was my favorite rider. I'm not gonna say who this was on Instagram to watch, and then it was just every day was just these just clips that were just of nothing, hard stuff but on nothing, and just like it just looked like you were trying trying so hard to prove that you're riding every day. And then I had to like just stop. I just never even watched the stuff anymore because it was just too much. I feel like every rider has a a, a certain amount of minutes that people are gonna care about. It. Yeah. And so you got to make those count. Totally you know? fair. And it's like sometimes being absent is better than being there. There's yeah. a line. There's a line, but you don't need no. You don't need to prove every day that you wrote. I feel that way very heavily about Instagram because I've gone through my stages of I'm posting every single day just to do it. I mean, I never do anything I don't want to do, but I gotta go through those stages. Sometimes I'll post like every day. Right now, I only post like once every three or four days of a riding clip just because yeah. like it, but it, but it matters but 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 then when you do post something people want to see it that's exactly the thought that i had a long time ago is like there's certain people that are so well loved not only because of their riding but also because of the fact that maybe they recognize or they don't that scarcity makes people want it even more yeah. look at joe rich joe rich is a perfect example like right sometime around forward or before forward he blew both his knees out or his knee out years of knee and back-to-back knees problems but then like anytime someone got like a tabletop one footer of them they just lost their mind as if it if he had done a double flare mm. you know uh i mean to me joe was the joe rich i like watch riding was like 90s joe rich it was like because he did everything he could do, he could do everything yeah that you know and then but he's, he's a perfect example where the less was more you know, unfortunately, it was less for other reasons. But yeah, yeah, yeah. long injury things. But can't get eat it up because people people like you, they want to consume it. But at some point, everyone will turn on you. Yeah, yeah. I, this is an interesting conversation for me to even personally have because I battle with it for myself. In that, I literally post on YouTube every single day. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Jason Ends. Jason Ends. I don't know if you're familiar with all this stuff. He's always riding those old bikes. Me and him collect Bascard bikes. He builds them up and rides them. Mm-hmm. You don't see that many riding clips of them, but when you do, see like a real riding clip of them, breaks the internet. Changes the game. Yeah, it just breaks the internet because it's, it doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't have to do anything even new or crazy. It's just people want to see it. You know. Yeah. That's all I call I call Jason the, the West Coast Joe Rich. <laughs> there you go. If people just want it. They want that. You know, want to see that 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 um content you know and uh it works for me how do you feel about the word content being talked about for bmx riding i mean i don't really i mean i don't know what else you'd call it well what, what's the alternative that's that's my mindset too i hate that I word think, i don't i don't think it's the word content that's the problem i think it's the way you uh what you're what you're telling yourself that word means. the connotation of it in your mind yeah, like, in uh, that you're cheapening it yeah, like word. the content could, because content is it's so used, you could you could look at it as like useless. Like if it's it's called content, it's just bulk, bunch of filler. Mm-hmm. You know? But like, but if you're saying like, oh, I don't have enough content to finish a part, that's we're different. About, if we're talking about my part, you know how much it means to me, yep. and I'm only putting in stuff that's good. You know, so it's just I think it's how you how you everything is how you view it, and you're gonna. I mean, I think I learned that mostly in my life. And that was like a lesson for me to learn uh, for myself. Yeah. That 
my day and how I feel about things, bike riding, work, whatever it is, is all on how I am perceiving what I'm doing. And, you know, like, if I'm looking at it as this, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that, you know, even in that, that's, I hate like self-help stuff like that, but even there's, there's, you know, there's that quote, it's like, stop telling yourself you have to do this and start telling yourself you get to do this. Right? Yeah. It's just the same sort of idea where it's, you know, it's, I, uh, I mean, and I'm guilty of it. You know, I'm guilty as anybody else, but I think it's how you're looking at stuff. It's, or like, like even with bike riding, some of the stuff I just don't even really consider. Meaning like people put up those stuff and I just don't consider it as mattering. Yeah. Uh, and so that makes the stuff that I do consider worth more. Um, I've wondered by, this. Our by, whole... by, you know, by not, not by, otherwise it's like, like I was talking earlier where everything's in the same pedestal. Everything's just like the one wavelength. It's all here. Yeah. And if, if some of the stuff doesn't matter, it can break it down here. I think a big problem or a big issue with um, trends and bike riding over the last 20, 15, 20 years is we stop saying anything's bad and nothing sucks. But if nothing sucks, then nothing's good. Yeah. It, something has to something something to be good. Something else has to suck. And I think that for a long time we just said, "Oh, this is so cool." Quit being a hater. Quit being negative. Quit being this. You're like, yeah, but I'm not saying he can't have fun and can't do it. I'm just saying that ain't the thing. Yeah. You know, like you can't say this is the thing and this is the thing because you're you're cheapening one of them. You know. If they're yeah. not on the same level obviously if they're at the same point then yeah and, and there's plenty of, like there's plenty of things that people are doing they're like dude dude's dope he's got this cool little thing he's got a rad little vibe he does this. but that doesn't mean that he's Dennis Anderson yeah. or he's uh, you know whatever else Dakota or he's uh, Time Out whatever you know what I mean it doesn't mean that you're that guy you know it just means that you're part of this world it's like movies. There's movie stars and there's guys. And there's supporting actors. You know, yeah. and, and they, they don't get paid the same. Yeah. So I've been wondering this whole time when you say things like that, how you feel about my writing. Oh, it's great. I mean, you know what my biggest thing is that that I'm the biggest thing I like about 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 people's writing is when you can tell they're it's their writing. Mm-hmm. I like that. I also like that you can tell when someone does something that they're just doing it and there's times when someone's putting something up that's so quirky and they're trying to show like this is dope like they're trying to tell people like yo give me you know what I mean like give yeah. me my applause or whatever you know give, you know I want uh, um, I, I want I want some clout from this or whatever because you and you're like I don't understand you know what I mean like there's a difference when someone does something you can tell by the way they're rolling around the deck they did it and they're stoked on it a difference when someone's like trying to it's it's hard to explain I like your writing that there's a short answer thank um, you but I, I the, it's anytime I see anyone land a trick and then roll away like mad yeah just mad or just like just like like I don't know this like weird sort of like like they've just accomplished an undoable task you know something that was just whatever right it, it always sort of just like oh well that's like it's like an act you know what I mean uh, I feel like it yeah. makes you not care anymore yeah, as just, soon as you, know, you see that I feel like it's, it's it's like sometimes there's some other riders that like have a kit you know what I mean like that's not really who they are 
You know, they're from a rich family. They're not this. It's a kit they're wearing. And I think that shows when you have a kit version of your of your riding. You know, this is your kit that you're doing. To like, you know, uh, just ride your bike. Don't have to. It, sometimes I think that a lot of that stuff you don't need to. Doesn't, and it's hard, it's hard to explain because I, I, I don't ever want to say people should put stuff out or should do stuff. But you can tell the vibe of what they're going for when they put it out. Be yourself. Yeah, but also, like, calm down. No matter what you're doing, other people are doing it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? For 98% of all bikers. True. You know? And so, and I mean, you don't see, you, you never see Dennis do something and roll away like he just, like he's just the coolest dude ever. He's rolling away smiling or psyched or yep. fast, you know? Uh, <laughs> fast. <laughs> whatever it is, you know what I mean? He's doing yeah. it. Yep. But if I, if I could contribute one thing that I think BMX should stop is uh, stop. Here's what I, I have a, stop bending down to do no handers. What do you mean? Like, no handers used to look so cool and they don't anymore. Oh, you mean like staying upright and going yeah, up? Yeah, like bring the bars up to here. Don't come down to your bars. Mm. Even on no handed 360s, you'd pull the bike up into your chest or your, your hips and you'd do this. Now, your bike doesn't go up. Your bike doesn't go up. You go down to the bars. Does that make sense? And it's gross. Knock it off. That's the one thing I will be. Critical. It's so hurtful of you to talk about Nathan Williams tucking handers like that. Look, Nathan. Nathan to me is who all bike riders should try to be. But Nathan, goddamn it, shame on you. <laughs> I think he knows it. I think he knows it. It's funny because one of my buddies growing up would do tuck no handers, and at first you would say they're Nathan Williams tuck no handers, but then you'd call them safety tucks. Safety tucks. <laughs> oh. uh, I mean, you can't say nothing bad about Nathan. No, you can't at all. Except, except there's no handers. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, but I, it's not him. It's everybody. You know, like yeah. You know, it's uh, it's just it's just no handers have changed in a way that uh, if you ever see Hoffman or Mira doing no hander, go look at those. So, does this mean that you like Daniel Dare's style tuck no handers? I like his no handers. Uh, his style in general is not my favorite. That's fair. I just was talking about his tuck no handers. No handers, but the problem is there's still his no hand. I like the mechanics of it, but the style of it isn't my favorite. You know, it doesn't. That's fair. You know, I mean, I, I'm a fan of. Hoffman and Mira, you know. I mean, I even love a good Mad Dog Nohanna, which is just a straight up, dude. You know, which is good. You know, I love when people, my buddy Sponge, who I've already talked about, his tuck Nohanders. I don't know if it's on purpose, but he goes straight up in the air. I I used to go straight up. Uh, Castillo's got good, like Chris Day type um, Mm -hmm. Nohanders, but yeah, I just think uh, that's a trick that to me is just so BMX Nohanders. And they just took in this turn of, of weird. And it's just one of those things where it became a fad or it yeah. became a, sorry, a trend. And then that's just how people saw them. People did them. Yeah. But not, but not, but not, but knock it off. Yeah. It's really popular to start doing no handers the other way and make it that way again. Somebody just said, oh, never mind. Just kidding. I, any other questions on there that are good? Or, uh, you know, nothing Nothing really. Somebody said something about wasn't there a flip off a tree in Dirty Deeds era? There was a flip off a tree in the Arnett video. Okay. Which was in the late 90s. Gotcha. Um, I did want to ask, too, about the video part stuff. Did you consciously try to make a lot of them? Because or uh, it I, just happened. Since we just did that least most thing, I think I counted. I think I have nine or ten video parts. 
um, which was a surprise. Let's, let's just figure it out, actually. Dirty Deeds. Um, I'd forgotten I had a park nowhere fast. Uh, Until Monkeys Fly. Forward. Grounded. Uh, Living in Exile. My United part. My other United part, like my caveman part, that's eight. There's, there's a couple more. Uh, oh, Demolition Video, that's nine. That might be it. It was nine or ten, if I remember right. Do you count I, any of the recent stuff that you posted online, like video-wise? No, no, no. Those, like, the only ones I counted were the United ones. Okay. Not, not that caveman edit that I did a couple years ago. That parts are different. An edit and a part is totally different. A part I'm trying to film. Mm-hmm. We're going to film and edit is sort of like stuff I have footage of with a couple extras, you know, um, totally different. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't try to do a lot of them. I, I'll be honest, I thought I probably could have done more. I just they just I just they came when they came. Gotcha. I, I don't. I was actually I used to think I had less, and so having nine, I was actually surprised. But I um I uh, I'm uh, I'm psyched. You know, I, I don't. Yeah. I think when you. When you think about total numbers like that and you think about the length of time it takes to put into a video part, I would say, you know, two years is a good amount of time at the at least. So then you multiply nine times two years, that's eighteen years of time. I don't I think two years is a little long for me. Uh, yeah. because I think my uh, I've changed I changed my direction of what I'm into so much that a year is probably good. For me, I want to go more in a year because after a year, I would start canceling those clips. Yeah. Right? But even if it was nine, I mean, some of them, I mean, some of those parts didn't, though. Until Monkeys Fly, I filmed in one day and one clip the next day because they feel they were like, oh, Mark Eaton's come out to film me for the video. I'm like, how long? Like the weekend. And then it rained on Sunday. So I had one whole day and then one clip in the rain. And that was my whole video part. Jeez. Oh, I also, I also had a four boy video. That's, that was it. DMX fan. So that's 10? 10. That video, half that footage is really old. Um, I just gave, I didn't even ride for four boys. And then like uh, the demolition video was all clips I just had. And then I filmed three clips. And I think the rest were just like, I was a Hoffman, I wasn't riding a volume, uh, a lot of the old clips. So, but then plus I had like, I made up the samurai video, which was, uh, have you ever seen the samurai video? Listen, I was gonna bring up samurai. <laughs> that, that's like a whole video part, but that's like a whole video. We didn't really have part, we said like places. And that, you know, that had a lot of stuff too. Yeah, what what was Samurai? Oh, hold on, was that one? I'm getting something from the from the from the box, which is my daughter. Yes, uh, the producers are. Hold on, guys. The producers are contacting. Yeah, um, um I have a nine-year-old that is uh, my only friend these days. Your producer. Uh, so uh, yeah, my producer. The uh, what, what was your question about Samurai? Video? What was it? Well, it was it was just a group of dudes. It was me, Jason Enns, Edwin Del Rosa, Keith Pinter. Who else was on there? Uh, that might have, that might have, oh Colin Winkleman. Uh, and we just for a couple of years, we were going to make two videos. Half of the second video got made, but we never put it out. And we just went on a ton of trips, and we just made a video. And it was kind of no one had a part. We just all they were all like uh, just places, yeah. you know. And that was it. It was just more fun. I it was, a, I people really liked that video. You know, I probably, I probably geared it a little bit towards a little bit like the Faco videos, where it just felt fun. Um, 
it was sort of the beginning of my sort of adventure phase where I just wanted to go everywhere and do a lot of stuff. So we would go places. You know, we were going places at the time no one was really going to Hawaii. We were going to Alaska. And we were, you know what I mean? We are just doing wild, you know, places that no one was going. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was, it was a really great, I thought a really great uh, sort of record of that couple of years of us having fun. My buddy Jeff Mead called me today whenever I posted about you doing this, and he's like, you got to bring up Samurai. And he was like, whenever I was so young, I was so psyched on Samurai that I wanted to make a sponsor me tape just so I could try and get involved with them. Send it in now. I told him. I was like, dude, make one right now. Send one. I will look for – I don't know if I have any of these. I think I do somewhere. If you send me me a sponsoring video, if I have one, I will send you a – Samurai DVD still in shrink wrap. Oh, I do have them somewhere. I don't know where, but at some point I will. That's so funny. Uh, okay, here we go. We can take a couple questions. These are good. Yeah. First, Joe Pack says, "What's your bash guard bike collection looking like right now?" Ooh, I uh, have. Um, let's see, I have all oh, sport, the original one, the one that when I first first bike ever bought on my own. So, oh, like, wow. It's not that bike, but I have oh, a okay. bike of that. I have a Dino Slammer, which is the one I rode. Not the one I rode, but rode. I have a, I have the second ever Wilkeson Airlines bike, the second bike from Mom Wilkerson. I have a NOS, um, new old school, never been used, uh, Mom's Hooligan, a loaner in my collection from Dennis McCoy. I have a, there's a Diamondback, um, Bashgard bike that I have in there. I have my Hoffman Bashgard bike that we built in the late 90s. I have a couple cavemans in there. I have, uh, what else do I have? Uh, there's more than that. I have everything, I have, only two bikes I need left is an Aggressor and a Harl Master. I also have a newer Harl Master, but those are only the old ones I have left. Those are the ones I care about. Uh, but I have a lot that are like older ones that people own that were like, like I said, there's like a McCoy one, there's a Wilkeson one. Uh, but it's uh, it's my prized possession. Nice. One day I'll be able to have a room where I can put them up on the wall. It's just a frame. Jason builds the bikes out, which is pretty rad. But I um, that is a uh, money pit endeavor that I could never indulge in. <laughs> Sometimes I'll get stuff. I'll get find old bike parts and stuff, or things I'll find at my parents' house, like old bikes, and I'll take the pieces off and give them to Jason. Nice or stuff, or like gift him like some things, you know? Yeah. Awesome. And then another one here. Uh, bad for life. His name's Brody Gwilliam. He had a amazing video series called Bush League, where he's riding farm equipment. That sounds awesome. Yes. Hey, Brody, you, it, it, his name Brody. Yeah. If you're listening to this, please DM me uh, a link of that. I would the love third, it. third one. Perfection. Uh, the third. He said, "Anywhere we could see the My Way Arnett video." Uh, you know that's a good question. I bet you if it's online, if you look up. My way, Arnett, Arnett, my way. It's online. Uh, that video as well was filmed in two days. That video part. Wow. I filmed two days, and that video had three really heavy clips. It had the tree flip, it had the water tower gap, and it had this other gap into a ditch that I still think is one of the biggest BMX gaps ever done. It was 14 feet out and 14, or no, 14 feet out and 17 feet down, or something. Jeez. It was over a fence into a ditch, and it was it was dead man. I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, it is on YouTube. You can look at it. You got. You might have to scroll through the whole video to find my part. 
But um, that was whole thing was filmed in like I said two days, and then they have some contests. Nice. <laughs> and then the uh, most recent question here from Kurt Rowell: Could he beat Jason Ends in a game of bike? Uh, depends. This is a, this is a very much a depends. Um, right now, no. When we're riding, uh, if we're riding a straight mini ramp, let's say four years ago, I think whoever goes first has the advantage because you know or like let's say at our prime at our prime whoever goes first has the advantage because if he he could do some tech stuff that i could never do but he's not gonna 540 a spine or maybe even like even like a regular 540 or you know i i might get him on some of the furlitics brian castillo is a perfect example of this we would play games of bike all the time and i knew how to breed him every time <laughs> but he also he also did, but it was just whoever went first because mm-hmm. I could get you know so um, nowadays Jason probably beat me I'm a little out of practice but um, in a pool now me and Jason in a pool we were just going to the backyard pools me and Jason I think that's a close that's a close race the mm-hmm. only reason why I think I might take it is because I'm willing to die and Jason's not fair enough there might be something that's slightly burly that I'm willing to take that crash for but he's definitely not when it comes down to it you're willing to dig deeper we're betting on the drink that we're going to buy for each other at the end of it he might not be willing to have surgery for you know for a coke (laughs) when you started that answer with depends I thought you were going to talk about the underwear you both have to wear depends on how much you know, we shit our pants that day. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. Uh, but I think me and Jason in a pool now, if we were to play, it would be really tight. Because we kind of, when you know, when we find a pool, Jason will start calling out. What he's, he's like, oh, I call stairs. I call ice over this. I call love sleep this. And it's like, we well, both only do the same six tricks. So I'm like, well, I guess cool. I'm done. <laughs> so no what, I, no, what I tell him is, okay, well, I'll wait for you to try it, and then I'll do it. <laughs> Just kidding, Jason. Uh, got him. That's awesome. All right, yeah. let's talk about Citizen. Biz Jordan sent me with a message. He's like, bring uh, up Citizen. Citizen. Citizen Bikes was me and Nate Wessel. Um, we basically made it look like I quit Hoffman Bikes uh, and started Citizen, which was kind of would be like the American. Because at the time, Hoffman Bikes was doing Taiwan. That was like a touchy thing. Everyone wanted American made, so we're going to do an American made version of it. We had a couple prototypes made. Nate has his prototype. My prototype went to Taiwan later on. Uh, to for some of the geometry for the Mexican frame that got built by volume and it never came back. Then appreciate that. Um, so that little piece of history is gone, but um, it never happened. We had one ad, and then whatever happened with Hoffman Bikes, we, we decided we weren't doing it, and that was sort of the end of it. Came and went, and then I was off Hoffman Bikes too because I'd already quit. That was the end of it. Dang. So Biz, I wish I could tell you a better story, but um, I can't. To be honest with you, Biz is like a historian of BMX. He probably knows the story better than I do. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned it, and I was like, is that the same thing as Samurai? You said that? Yeah. I was I like... by, yeah, no. We had an ad and everything. Um, and I kind of, for a second, had a bit of hype, I think. And um, like most things, you know, that I've evolved in, they, they die a very unfulfilling death. Or they get injected with stem cells and come back. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I hope you got questions. 
nothing good. Kurt Rowell's in here bringing up flipping over helicopters, and nobody wants to hear about that. I don't know. What is, what is, what is, what's the question? He just said, did he talk about flipping the helicopter yet? I mean, no. It's <laughs> uh, for an MTV show. Maybe $10,000 to do it. No way, for real. In 2000, that was a lot of money. What was the what was the deal? Just MTV flip this helicopter or what? Well, he asked me if I wanted to do something. I said, you're all back with the helicopter. And so, yeah. But it was like a full-on, like, Eagle can Eagle rolling down a stadium. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was actually real sketchy. And uh, for a good chance I'm not, I should have been dead probably the way we were, the way I was doing it. But, um, yeah, took four tries. And I kept over-rotating. And so I went down the rolling a bunch, which should have put me eight foot back into the thing into the blades and then I, I, I it was a foot safety case on that I, I was trying to I tried to catch the safety case and I clipped it so I only cleared it by like six inches um, everybody else wasn't allowed to be near the helicopter they had, it was on the 50 yard line and we, everyone had to be at the goalpost because if I threw the bike or if I hit the helicopter the helicopter would just and so it just destroyed everything but that you know it was a good it was a good um, it's actually pretty gnarly it actually this is pretty cool they um it actually got voted. There was a few years later. There was like a show on MTV saying the ten craziest things ever to happen on MTV. And it was like you know Puff Daddy this and Michael Jackson this and Madonna this. And I was number six. Damn. Yeah, I wish I could get a copy of that show, but yeah, I was number six. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty nuts, man. Cool. So how does it deal? Like, how does something like that even originate? How does that even well, happen? We, we had done the sports and music festivals. Oh, okay. Were a bit of part of those, and I was like a featured athlete. I was friends with some guys down there, and then so they were doing. They must have said, "Hey, you know, see if Mike wants to do something." Uh, there was a couple other stunts. There was another show that was called like Stunt Master. I don't know what it was. Some other show that asked me to do. It might have been called Stunt Master. To ask me to do some stuff, and I said no to, and they got some other guys to do versions of it later, which I won't repeat either. I won't say what they did because I don't think they were done. They weren't done the same way that I would have done them. Uh, I think they were done the, uh, the uh, most obvious way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I never did those. But yeah, ten grand back then that was a long time. That was a lot of money. My, is that still a lot of money? A lot of money. But back then it was like you know, twenty three years ago that was a lot of money. Wow, that's yeah. that's pretty nuts, man. I I didn't even know you backflipped over a helicopter to be honest. Yeah, well, you know, it's in forward. It's in forward. I'll find that out when I. I'm going to react to that and... Have you ever just... seen Ford? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It's just... I mean, I just... That it, was, awesome. it was a thing growing up where I just never cared. And I literally have... I love that. Like 15 DVDs where it's props. And I have Bako 10 on DVD behind me. And I never just watch... I never watched any of them. Try to get a copy of Bako 4 or Bako 5. Is it not being able to be watched online? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Well, either way, uh, I got to react to Living in Exile from you. Uh, Living in Exile, I like. I mean, have you seen my uses United Dirty, part? Dirty Deeds. That's Dirty the one Deeds, you told me one. to. Yeah, Dirty Deeds. Dirty Deeds. That's the one you should watch. Because that one, like, I'm a little kid. I'm like okay. 15 years old and started filming it. That's... Uh, somebody else asked previously, too, did you have fun on Road Fools Tool 2? It seemed like you didn't have fun. Um, well, there's the power of editing. Um, that one is a wild one because it was very stressful for everyone. They, they, they did something that was, uh, 
not the best decision. And they knew it then. They flew everyone to Chicago, and then we drove to California. It was a big rig, 12 dudes or whatever it was, with nothing to ride for like the first few days. So everyone was pretty over it before it even started. You know what I mean? Gotcha. I, it was fine. I mean, I think, you know, me and Robbie got into it on that trip, but the way it was portrayed on on thing was completely opposite of what happened. So I think it made sort of a different view of me on that one. And Robbie, especially at the time, is pretty, and, and you know, me and Robbie were cool. Uh, so I don't think he's the problem that I say this. You know, but he, you know he's a he's a loud dude. You know what I mean? Um, which has led him to have a lot of success. You know, because he's he's very charis- charismatic guy. Uh, but I can't remember exactly what it was, and I'm sure he probably remembers it different. But he yelled at some lady who's feeding the birds, and I was kind of yelling. I was like, "What are you doing?" And then. It was a day when we could all go ride street or trails, and it was, uh, he, I, I opted to not go watch trails on the road or whatever somewhere else. And he that was bothered him, you know, that I didn't want to go watch those guys ride trails. And the way it was edited and portrayed on on Ripples Two, I very much remember that very differently. Because I remember when it came out, I was like, "Whoa, that's like exact opposite of what happened." You know, I think Robbie says something like the effect of like. Uh, people, you know, just you know, people can't respect that other people want to do other things, and it was the exact opposite. I felt like he couldn't respect that I, I wanted to go ride. I didn't want to go watch people ride, you know, and so uh, it sort of came off as a very heated moment. But I mean, it, to me, I don't really hold grudges. I don't really do that. I, it came and went as fast as it went, you know, it came. So, but I uh, Road Fools Two was fun. It was super fun. It just, I think, the edit makes it seem different. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's like all those real it's like it's like all those reality shows on TV. They're very much different than what you think, you know. Oh yeah. You watch Survivor, you know they're making they're making good guys and bad guys. You know what I mean? They're making guys that feel this way because it only takes a few a few clips. I did you know I did a show called La. Uh, it was a taxi show, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we had to we learned that what they would do is everything when they record it, every word is recorded, right? But also every word is put into a database so they know anytime. If we ever say the word tattoo, they just have to type in tattoo into the system and it'll bring up every time. Um. So And they have all the things. So if you ever were having a conversation with somebody and our back is to the camera, the camera's in the back and we're talking to a person over there, don't believe that that's the conversation we're having. Right. Whatever. Right? And if you're not, if you're real careful, but if you're looking different, carefully, they would have arguments between people and they were in different rooms in the tattoo shop. You didn't know that. Because it would just be like, shot of you, shot of me. And I could have been yelling at my buddy, like joking around, and then it shows a shot of the other person, like, <sighs> and it's from something totally different. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's just editing. You know, like it, 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 it'll make you believe one thing more than the other. Yeah, it's, I hate that. <laughs> it looked like I was having fun, and I wasn't too. So it works both ways. Yeah, I hate watching TV because of that. Because you can just, because I'm tuned into that side of things too. I mean, you, you, just... have, you have to not think of the reality show doesn't just mean scripted reality. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not reality. It's just a different. It's just a. It's just a, uh, a sitcom with shitty actors. Yeah. So. Any, yeah, any other questions? Oh, well, I got a couple more things here. Yeah. I worked through most of it, but I wanted to talk about stuntman and like being in movies side of things. 
just a little bit like what were the most recent thing that you've done was uh, i just worked on a movie last september for a month called rebel moon okay it's a new Zack snyder movie and uh they made two of them last year they come out i think maybe end of this year or something maybe and they were i believe i may have this wrong but i believe they were a, they were originally written to be a star wars movie mm-hmm. it didn't get made so zach got it back he wrote it and turned it into his own space epic so i worked on that that's gonna be pretty wild um I also worked on a movie called um, Modern Drone or something like that. It was Adrian Brody and the dude who plays uh, the guy from the Facebook movie. The guy who plays uh, Mark Zuckerberg in the Facebook movie. He also plays Lex Luthor in the uh, in the uh, DCU. Gotcha. Um, I forget. I don't know why I can't think of his name. But I, I worked on I fight, I fight, I fight a dude, one of those guys. Um, the other day I worked on a, a new TV show. For uh, Apple TV, I think with Colin Farrell, I get to fight Colin Farrell. For real? Yeah. Um, see what else I did. This is all stuff at the end of last year. You know, a lot of TV show stuff. Um, yeah, Shazam. I got some stuff in Shazam coming out. Oh, I'm excited for that movie. Uh, you know, uh, I had you know, I think what else was stuff that would have just maybe come out. It's you know, Suicide. Last big movie, Suicide Squad. I had like, a few lines in it, and like uh, John Cena kills me. Knocks me out, dude. So I watched this happen and didn't even realize it. Well, you know, and some men are all over the place. It's hard to tell. I get it. And there's, <laughs> well, I mean, John Cena might have had camo in front of you, and I just couldn't see it. Yeah, you couldn't see it's invisible. I know. <laughs> so, is this all, I mean, mostly stunt stuff? You said you had lines in that one. Yeah, it's stunt stuff, but I, every once in a while I'll have like a line or two, you know, stunt acting roles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's what I do. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we'll see how long that lasts, but uh, hopefully for a bit longer. That's so sick. Have you seen the show on YouTube, Stuntmen React? Or... Yeah, they're uh, all my friends of mine. Yeah, you you got to end up on that. because Yeah, they're... maybe, maybe. Um, you know, I, yeah, maybe, maybe, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I've never been good at like, uh, Like, even bikes. I never was super technical as far as, like, what things were. Like, with my bike, I'm like, whatever it is. And I kind of feel the way that I'm a little bit like that with everything. It's like, I don't really know. I just I do what I do, you know? I get it. I just think it – I feel like you could talk about what – like, if they put – because in that, for people who don't know, this is on a channel called Corridor Crew. It's three guys sitting on the couch. They'll get a stuntman, and they'll play scenes where they're using stunt people in the movies – and usually they'll play the one of the stunt person who's the guest, and then they'll talk yeah. about how it was actually done. Yeah. And it's just cool. I mean, it's cool. It's super cool. Always remember that uh, there's only three guys on that couch or one guy there talking about it, and there's a massive team of dudes that make it happen. Yeah. Uh, for every stunt to happen, there is a massive team of really talented uh, really, really well-rounded guys that make that stuff happen and make it safe. Yeah, one stunts is the one thing that is not a one-man show. Yeah. Whoever, forever, whatever stunt guy is doing the gag, a lot of times there's dude, dudes running the wire, dudes setting up the explosions, guys that are uh, making their this dude can look as good as he can look. Yeah, and that stuff just blows me away to see some of the stuff that they are able to do with a live person. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, you know who's a really big stuntman these days? It's Alistair Witt. Really? Oh, yeah. He's like, 
Chris Pratt's double. Chris Pratt's double. I had no idea. All the stuff on like Jurassic World. He did all the. He's a motorcycle. He's on the motorcycle. <laughs> and uh, you know, I know he did some stuff on I think Indiana Jones, and he did stuff on that. He, he's on the motorcycles on uh, or in the cars and stuff in that new James Bond movie. Yeah, dude. Alistair does a lot. He works a lot on the East Coast. That's so a lot of big cool. Movies. Yeah. Alistair's a really, really talented dude. Uh, he was one of the dudes I think that is like is really underrated as a bike rider. And uh, as good as he was as a bike rider, he's just as good as a stunt guy. Awesome. Yeah. He, he, he really crushes it. In your travels, being involved with all of this stuff, and I'm sure interacting with well-known, famous people, have you ever met somebody who was like household name kind of person who was super stoked on BMX at all? Or does that ever even come up? Yeah, yeah, there's all those guys. Well, they, they, they're, they're into it. A lot of guys are. I don't know if I can think of any specifically, but that's plenty of conversations that dudes are like, oh, yeah, I used to skate. BMXers are crazy. Um, it's very well uh, received, you know what I mean? Um, there are a couple guys that are, like, into it. Why can't I not think of it is? There's a couple – there was one actor who used to ride, and he was like, oh, I have pictures of you on my wall. Whoa. Yeah, and he's a bigger actor. I can't remember who it was. Ugh. If I remember, I'll think about it. But. It'll come to you next week, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll be in the morning. And be like, oh my God, you're going to like sit up and be like, oh, yeah. oh, what's their name? I just always curious about that because obviously all those people are just normal, real people. They grew up as kids, you know? Yeah. They're all, they're all just, all those dudes are normal. Well, not all. Some weird. They but. they might start normal, but then they don't end up normal. Being a, being a massive star is very changes your reality. Yeah, I, I'm really glad. It's hard to it's hard to understand. I'm I'm glad that I could hear this from somebody with experience, you know. Yeah, yeah, because you're a huge star, and what's coming? I said hear from someone with the experience, <laughs> not that I am going to have that experience <laughs> at all. The what little people have recognized me life is very weird whenever that happens and i yeah. i love when people say something but every single time i'm like me like what it's cool man you're you know you're you're, you're getting around i don't even want to talk about that this <laughs> i just i just like making people happy and helping people not a bad not a bad trait yeah but i mean we just went through all my questions and everything. So is there anything I was going to talk, ask you something, but I, I feel like I already know the answer to this and what your feelings on the current state of BMX are, but I feel uh, like you don't pay attention enough to know. I, mean, I don't, I don't pay. I mean, no, I do pay attention, but not enough to the stuff that I just, that is unimportant just cause I, I don't have the time to do that. You know? Yeah. But, um, you know, the, 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 the saddest part of me is that there's no industry. What does that mean to you when you say there's, there's no, no magazine? There's no thing like like I think the magazine sort of signifies the industry, you know, where a kid will never get a cover of a magazine. You know, you'll never know it's like a see who got the cover of the magazine. You'll never, you know, like there's no more surprises. Other than that dig thing that's like once a year, which yeah. makes it a huge deal to get that cover, but yes. And and there's also like no there's no inform there's no there's no your favorite word, content to consume. It isn't just pictures. Like no one's making, like no one's writing stories about stuff. Like you get a magazine, you can read it for a week because there's stories about this trip and stories about you know what I mean. Like 
uh, stories about past stuff or uh, events or news. Like you're just you're just hearing about it all day long, but you're not getting. And, and usually, it's in as quick a time as possible. And, and, and so you're not really getting someone who can express themselves and you can read about something. Uh, even interviews aren't. You don't read interviews. Yeah. So it's just I don't. I just feel like there's. That's the only thing that's a bummer that, that doesn't get, you know, it's because it, when something's sitting on your on your coffee table, it's like it's a different feeling, you know, like it's like you're you've added to the collection of archive of the sport history of it. Where I feel like nowadays, there's so much stuff going online that it's a clutter. Where some of the most biggest important stuff that's ever happened in bike riding just gets swept away so quickly. I feel that way about the DC Tapes Instagram page in oh, that cool. they, they're they doing that and it's amazing, but they're putting it in a place that is not cataloging it like YouTube does as a search engine. So when people think about this in five years, they're going to have to hope they can remember what the thumbnail of the thing they're talking about is or what was posted around it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's the only thing, really. I mean... Bikes is going to change. It's going to evolve. It's going to devolve. It's going to it's going to be whatever the newest trend is. And like I said, it's always the best when you're in it. Yep. But it's a bummer that that there's not there's not something hard evidence about what's left behind. Because I think the video stuff, like you said, it's going to be hard to find and date. You know what I mean? Yeah, on Instagram, it definitely is. YouTube's a little bit better, but it's still stuff gets buried. There's something about a photograph, so they can hold. Yep. Yeah, maybe this generation can't understand that, and maybe I only understand that, or maybe I think it's a bigger deal than it was because I lived through that. But yeah, I just wish that there was like a, you know, I wish there was people in charge of saying what's good, what's bad, what's cool. We're about to open a can of worms with this, but I fully agree. And I feel like the problem with what you're saying is that BMX media has evolved into a place of what's good and what's cool being more than 50% what's being paid for. Yes. And also what will create uh, likes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter how gimmicky it doesn't matter. I mean, there's stuff that dig or our BMX will post sometimes and I'm like, this is what we're doing now. You know, like this is, like this is real. Like this is what we're doing. This is what we're saying is good. Good. Like this is because I have to look at it like those Instagrams are the magazine every month. Yep. Post or photos in a magazine every month. You know? I wish they would do like all both of them or one of them. Like maybe dig because it uh, it's still do magazine. I wish like every month on the first or whatever they would be like this is the photo of the month. Yeah. It would be like getting the cover. You know, so like you get you get the first. The first of the month is like something special. So when you get it. It's like a big deal. You know yeah. what I mean? We we'll call it something and just be like, every first of the month, we're going to post the video photo or the video that's like the equivalent of getting the cover for the month. Edit of the month, photo yeah, of the month. And so that um, so that it feels like people have something to shoot for. Because now they don't. Like I always thought for the longest time there should be like a, and this is a dumb idea, but I don't know how you would make this, a version of this make sense. But like, you know, there was a dig, Instagram, and then there was a, like uh, another dig Instagram that was like you couldn't get on the other one unless you got to a certain level. Oh, I see what so you're saying. Like, you know what I mean? Where like this was like the magazine, and this was like 
just, you know, it was like all the things you look at every day. But the really, really good stuff goes on this. I think that makes sense. You know, but I mean, that's like, I don't know how you do that, but that way you feel like if you've got another one, you have something to shoot for. Well, you, and you'd have to separate it from the money, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take all that out of it. But, like, also, like, it, it, would, it would push the sport a little bit because before you're putting books, like, I want to, you're trying to get sponsored, get in the magazine, whatever you're doing. And this one, it's like, it might push creativity. It might push people not just going to the same spot, doing the same thing, every edit, you know? Yeah. Because you, you're trying to get this thing because it feels like it's a, a status and a, and a, you know, to be able to make it on this other thing that you can only get when things are the top cream of the crop. Yeah. And, I know that people feel that way about being on Dig or Our BMX's Instagram page because I see it with people local to me that when it happens, it's like, oh, this is this prestigious yeah. thing. But but my, God, not my beef, but my bummer thing that I think about with that is that what a lot of those people don't realize is that anything that you see on there that tags a company was paid for. So it gives the that it, it cheapens some things that are genuinely good to that level. We'll um, be done in five minutes, I promise. Yeah, we're done in five minutes. We're done in five minutes. Okay, in five minutes. Um, she's being very patient. It's very hard. She's doing amazing. Nine-year-old to stay quiet for two hours. Tell her I said thank you. When usually they ask a question every 90 seconds. Yeah, tell her I said thank you for me. She said, thank you, Luna. She said, go to hell. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is totally valid. And I think that, that the unfortunate part of it is that it brings the value of what's happening down. But it's also tricky. So nothing against them. It's like you're in a thing where no one wants to spend money. There's not a lot of money to do it. Right. It's not, you know, so to make these things happen, you either got somebody who's doing it for free or making enough money where they can make it their full-time job. So right. it's not it's not like oh these guys aren't doing it it's just the way the world is now. It's tough and things just are having to change and shift with the world yeah. and it's just a hard space to navigate. I deal with it. I deal with it myself. I mean, I I'm in I, as much as I don't like but, tend to. But what you're doing? You're doing something. You know what I mean? You're creating uh, information and telling stories. You know, like that's what I think BMX needs to, needs more storytellers. I don't think it's much storytelling. I think there's a lot of people making montages in the movie. Like if you look at a movie, it's like the action montage. That's all we're getting. Right. You know, no one telling stories, and so you're you're helping create stories to be told. Thank you. I'm trying my best, and that's people like you who are willing to come on here and talk to me help me create Look, those stories. I've got nothing going on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me feel so much better about you saying yes to doing this. <laughs> yeah, no problem. You should ask Brian Castillo. I think he'd really love to do it. I did? Did you guys talk about this or something? No, what happened? Because I did ask him about it, but he was like, he's, like kind of, I'm kind of, he's kind of like nervous about it or something, so he told me to ask him again in a month. You should ask him again in a month. Oh, it's almost been a month, so I'll send him a message and say that you send your regards and that he should do it. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, if I could just see him be awkward for two hours, it'd be great. Well, I feel like I try to make this so comfortable and that it's just a conversation that it doesn't have to be awkward. I'm just giving Brian a hard time. Um, yeah, I think he would really love to do it. Brian, yeah. please do it. We would all love to hear it, Brian. Yeah. Love to see it. Yeah. On that note, 
Where's people going to find you on the internet? I mean, it's just my Instagram. That's it. I'm not on it that much, but I try to post. And I've been posting a lot of updates health-wise with that stuff. Hopefully, I'll be getting back to riding bikes in the next few months, um, going on adventures with my kid, uh, doing a lot of dad shit. Mike but, Escamilla is where you can find. Yeah, Escamilla. The, yeah, at my Mike Escamilla. The stem cell updates will be there. So if yeah, long-term there. people can learn more about what you're going through. Yeah, you just go back because I don't post a ton. You know, a few times I go through phases where I'll post a ton. Um, they, when they were paying people good money a couple months, like last year, I was like, oh, Dean, I was putting up like 40 videos a month. <laughs> because I just have a bunch of stuff sitting in my phone. I'm like, whatever. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I was making like 1200 bucks a month or something. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, but now they changed that. So now you get, I think it's like 100 bucks a month maybe for the same amount of views. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate your time and uh, thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, You know, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. So, you have nice grass, by the way. Thanks. Nobody else can see that grass, but thanks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a good night and goodbye. All right, man. Thanks.